I'm Tina Black, co-owner of Next Level Salon Ownership, a six-month business and leadership course to help you start, maintain, grow, or scale your salon business. We believe there are five strategies to help you eliminate politics and confusion, increase morale, decrease turnover, and increase productivity. If you would like to get on our waiting list for the next course, please go to www.nextlevelsalonleadership.com. When did you realize your values for your businesses? You know, I, I, I unconsciously at first, because that's the way I was just brought up to, to just treat people great. Uh, I, you know, I wasn't perfect by any means, you know, uh, but it was the constant uh, messages of people that I surrounded myself with that were good at what they'd done. I mean, if you want to be great at a relationship, ask people in a great relationship, what keeps it great? And what, look at the relationship, look how they communicate. Of course they fight, but what do they do to solve that problem? Solve it together? work on it together, not go to bed mad, you know? So uh, when, when that kept getting instilled in my mind, uh, you tend, and, and you ask yourself that question, how uh, do I support my values? Um, you get the answers and you start studying people. Uh, I should have been a profiler, you know, <laughs> I always say, because I do study people. I study their behaviors and I, then I reflect on my own and say, am I, Am, am I that person uh, deep inside? So values to me are extremely important because the values will create your behavior. Uh, and if you model that behavior, uh, which means I'm not, you know, I don't have somebody, if I have to plunge a toilet, I'll plunge a toilet. And you know that when you do it, other people will do it. If I have to fold towels, they will fold towels. I don't have to even ask. As long as they see the leadership doing what is asked of them, they'll come over and ask you if they can help you. If they see you sweeping the floor, if they see you manually cleaning, instead of being that, well, I'm the boss, I don't do that, you do that. Well, no, that's not true. That's not a leader. A leader leads by example. And you'll notice that people uh, will, will follow. Uh, I went into a, salon, a school that we opened up on, excuse me, and the, the director kept saying, nobody will help. Nobody will fold towels. Nobody will clean the stations. Nobody will do this. And I said, watch. I picked up a towel, some spray, and I started wiping the bottom of the chairs, cleaning the chairs. They're like, hey, hey, you're the owner. You shouldn't be doing that. I said, no, because I am the owner, this is part of my job. And they're like, well, can I help? I'm like, yeah, you can help. Next thing you know, you got 10 of your biggest school resistors. You know, and your salon resistors all of a sudden cleaning the place. And it was funny because one future professional walked out and said, did we get new equipment? <laughs> you know, we're like, no, we cleaned it. <laughs> so, uh, you know, and, and when, you, when, you, when you follow those values and those behaviors, you'll want to get the knowledge to support those values and behaviors. And knowledge is powerful, very powerful. And I think we learn a lot um, and gain a lot of knowledge from, from failures. So what are, what are some of the failures uh, that you've lived through and what have you learned through them? My God, I, you know, people are like, you must be perfect. You know, I'm like, no, by all means, I still create failures to this day, but failures is what makes us stronger. 
is what helps us grow. There's been many times I have fallen on my face throughout my life. Uh, you know, from anywhere from addiction, uh, because of insecurity, low self-esteem, uh, thinking that it, it would empower me, but it put me back on my face, getting back up, letting go of, of that. Uh, you know, even besides all the things, let's talk about the salon. I did a bad haircut. The customer's been coming to me forever. She's going to get married Saturday. This is a true story. And I cut her hair and all of a sudden I left a big hole on the side of that cut. Oh my, discovery, you know, failure. Uh, her wedding's in a few days. What do I do? Well, I can't shut down at that moment. I have to think of the solution. So I learned how to make some hair weaves way before in Wefts, before they were even out because we were doing hair shows. And I made her a bunch and, and cleaned up. Now, I've never seen her as a client again, but it, it was enough to help for her wedding. Uh, but instead of getting angry, what you do at yourself is I call a friend. I got a lifeline. And he was a cutting expert. And I said, what happened? I, I pulled it straight out. I cut it and it just collapsed. He said, well, everything concaved on you, right? He said, there was no hair to support that. It was a little bit finer. If you over-directed it, what would have happened? I, was said, I said, well, I would have left more length, more volume. He says, what are you going to do your next haircut on somebody's hair like that? You know? So those are, are ways of learning. So may, I may have lost a client, but I gained a hundred more by just going back and checking where did I fail? How did I fail? What made me go into that failure? But how can I adjust it so it doesn't happen again? Um, I always tell people, you're always gonna face pain, but suffering is a choice. Hmm. So, you know, if you broke your leg, you're not gonna suffer the rest of your life, walk around with your bone hanging out your leg going, look what I did, you know, and it hurts. No, you're gonna go get it fixed. You got a toothache, it's pain. You gotta either live with it or fix it. What's the choice? Um, so failures, I can probably write a book bigger than an encyclopedia. Uh, but, you know, I've been through so much. Uh, but I think that's what put me at where I am today is not I don't dwell on the failures. I don't forget them, but I learn from them. Uh, and, you know, what is failure? You know, uh, some people see it as the end of the world. I see it as the beginning of something new. I love that. And you touched on something where you're very right that people get stuck in their head. They focus on their failures so much instead of the future. So what advice would you give to kind of get them out of that, that head space and, and move forward? You know, in, in the book, I talk about the yin and the yang, Sonny and Vinny. You know, what is the good guy? What's the bad guy? Those are your own thoughts. Uh, you have to choose what you listen to in your head. And it's hard to fight. It really is. And we all have those voices. Now, I'm not talking about voices. You know, if you do hear some real voices, please go see a doctor. But I'm talking about the voices in your, in your own head that, that you can choose to, to fight back on. And, and trust me, I argued with those voices in my head until I won. Meaning there are my voice that says, you know, you, you can't, you won't, you, you, you're a failure, you're, you know, because that's the voices that maybe your mother or your father or your uncle or a teacher or somebody has put there. And now you got to get this other voice that battles that voice. 
and says, no, you are much better. You can always achieve anything, no matter where you come from, no matter what you did. So it's not going to happen overnight. It's a battle you're always going to do. Even in the morning when I wake up, I have a battle of should I get up and go to the gym or should I not go to the gym? What excuse am I going to use this morning? Uh, so, you know, those battles are fought even when I'm laying there. But then the thought of, of going to the gym wins because I remember when I was unhealthy, uh, I, I was a walking dead man, um, you know, and it was not to be skinny, it was to be healthy. And, I, and in order to be with my family and to be the example to my family, to my kids, to my staff, to um, all those around me, I got to model the process. So if I'm telling you, you got to, you know, get healthy, not lose weight. Skinny is not, you know, that'll come as, you know, you work out, but that's not the goal. The goal is to be healthy and to get that blood flowing and to get that right mindset so you can think clearer. Um, so, yeah, you, you know, I think we all battle our thoughts. Uh, and some people say, no, I never battle my thoughts. Well, you're battling it right now. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I, I hope I answered your question on that. Yeah, I love that. I think, you know, it goes back to just how powerful your thoughts are and how important it is on what you, what you choose to listen to. So as we look to, um, you know, we're in 2020, it's a very different uh, era for us all. Um, what are salon owners missing right now, in, in your opinion, being that you're in both worlds, you're in the school world, which we're going to talk about in a minute. I just saw some questions that popped up about the school world. Um, but what are salons missing right now, do you think? Well, I can't speak for all of them. Uh, I know in the, the world what was missing was the salon. <laughs> and, and, and in this pandemic, an unprecedented time, I think what good came out of that is people saw the need for a great salon. Uh, not even a great salon. Just give me my barber back. Give me my hairdresser back. Give me my makeup artist back. We, we went from here to up here. Uh, and, and nobody was saying, where's my doctor? Where's my dentist? Where's my plastic surgeon? Where, where's my hairdresser? I mean, that's all they talk about and still do. But with salons, you know, when, I, when people go out and they look for a job, they want to know, today, we don't interview them. They interview us. Believe it or not, you think you're interviewing them. You're not. They're interviewing you. And, and what they care more about today is, what are you doing to save the planet? Number one. You know, number two, what are you doing to educate me further? What, do you, what, what plans do you have? What is your culture? What is your systems? What is your plan? Because most salons don't have, they have a plan here, but not here on paper or in a book or in a binder. And they change the rules constantly every day. But did you ever take a moment to not think of what the future coming in needs or what your clients need? But did you ever take a moment to ask them what they would like? Because, or what they've experienced and what they would like to experience. So in today's salons, once again, there are some that say, I am the ruler, here's how it goes. I get that, that is your salon, that is your system, this is, this is how your system goes in your culture. However, are we providing the right tools and are we giving them the tools and materials and, 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 and paperwork they need to understand their tasks and their expectations? 
Um, and that's missing is the communication. It's not get behind the chair and make me money. You know, get to know them, get to understand them, see where their strengths are and where their weaknesses are. Do a floor test with them, see, you know, okay, they're an okay cutter. Maybe we need some more technical skills. Mm, I noticed their verbiage is a little rough. Let's teach them because I had to learn how to speak properly in a salon all over again. Cause I was like, Hey, how you doing? Am I doing, you, you know, uh, they were like, well, Julia, let's take that down a little bit to good morning. How are you, Mrs. Jones or Mr. Jones? Uh, I'm, I look forward to, you know, doing your hair services today. Please come with me. Uh, because I was, you know, I come from Italy. Then I, I, I grew up in New York. So, you know, I grew up in a little rough neighborhood where we had our own slang, uh, you know, so what salons are, are, are some salons, not all, are missing the excitement of teamwork relationships with their team, conversations, uh, uh, caring, uh, but most importantly, training. You know, even if you think it's because we, I've been doing it for so many years, it's common sense for me. It's built in within me to know that customer service experience is important. Uh, but maybe somebody new coming in, they, they're great at cutting, but they don't understand the experience part of it. So having a good training system and an open communication helps a lot in salons. I think that will, will ultimately take them. And, and sitting with your staff, be humble enough to say, hey, how am I doing? As a salon owner, how am I doing for you? You, know, you don't have to accept it because there are some people who won't agree that you're doing well for them. Well, sometimes it's hard to hear, but sometimes it may be the truth. And I've done surveys with, uh, that are anonymous with, with the staff. This is how am I doing? And there were some things that opened my eyes, you know? Uh, and there were some things I didn't agree with, but they still opened my eyes, you know, because if the common thread is this, then it must be true. And even though it's hard to, to accept that, uh, I had to change, not give in, but change so that my team can help me achieve my goals. Because if I can help them achieve their goals, obviously in return, they're gonna help me achieve mine. I love that. You talked about you know, your surveys and receiving feedback. So how, um, how important as a leader is feedback? And how do you pivot when the feedback is not what you wanna hear? Well, first and foremost, Every day, you will never see me go straight to the office. Well, to drop off my stuff really quickly, the first thing I do is interact with everyone. Everyone, hello, good morning, how are you? Now, if you're a good people reader, you can see something's not happening, something's not wrong. And, I, and I'll say, hey, you're not your usual self today, but let's, let's go for a coffee, let's talk. And I'll say, is there anything I can help you with? And they'll sit there and they'll put their head down and I'm like, is it your job? You know, sometimes you got to pull a little bit. And they're like, well, no, the other day you came up to me and you said this. Now, I said it in my mind thinking it was innocently or maybe a little joke because they joke with me. But I, have, I forgot that when I respond, they take it as serious, not a little joke. Yeah. Or if I say something, it could be devastating to them. You know, even if it's, you know, why don't you wrap that a little bit tighter or 
why don't you, you know, uh, it's a simple little thing. And they're like, the way you approached it just made me feel like I'm not good at what I do. And then I have to stop and, and say, you know what, my apologies, that was not my intention. My intention always to make sure that you get the best. My intention was to share knowledge with you. So if I came across the wrong way, I apologize. What works for you when I need to come and coach or help or give you some advice? What's a good way that I can approach you? How, how can I, because everybody has a, some people like to be yelled at. They're like, no, yell at me. I need that. You know, some people are very tender and they're like, I need you to just be softer or I need to, you, you to speak to me in private. You know, get to know your people. It's like the MIs that we use. Once we understand how they learn, and we can communicate with them that way, and we understand how they like to be communicated, they'll be more open to you. And the fact that you stopped just to ask them, what can I do better to help you so that I can make you want to come here and enjoy coming here? Um, they're like, wow, you are a real, and I get this all the time, you're a real person. You're, you're not like an owner, but I know you're the owner. You're like a caring person. And I'm like, well, shouldn't we all be? You know, so, uh, and, and like I said, sometimes it hurts to hear, oh God, I've been acting that way. Mm, so I better reflect back a little bit and understand. And maybe the way I was acting was proper, but to that person who is still a little bit low self-esteem or, or not enough confidence, maybe I should have approached that a little bit differently. So how do I get to know my staff better? Let's go for a cup of coffee. Let me understand you. Uh, you're not just my employee. You're my partner. You're my teammate. We're in this together. Nobody can do it alone. Uh, you're trying to up your income in the salon. You can't do it alone. Uh, you can only do so much. Uh, you're trying to get your teams to, to fulfill their dreams and up their incomes. And in return, it'll help yours. Even if it's having to sit there and listen to something you don't want to. <laughs> We've all, we've all been there for sure. Hey everyone, I'm Sean Chido, co-owner of Next Level Salon Ownership. Thank you for joining us today and be sure to check us out at nextlevelsalonleadership.com. I'm Tina Black, co-owner of Next Level Salon Ownership, a six-month business and leadership course to help you start, maintain, grow, or scale your salon business. We believe there are five strategies to help you eliminate politics and confusion, increase morale, decrease turnover, and increase productivity. If you would like to get on our waiting list for the next course, please go to www.nextlevelsalonleadership.com. And the profit generator consists of these seven different areas. Starting at the top with the yellow one, that's reservation desk. These are called profit centers. And um, reservation desk and then go and talk like silent station, color bar, wash house, toolbar, take home and social commerce. So these are the seven areas of the business that you can generate revenue, right? And so um, these, if you're familiar with um, Paul Mitchell, you know, Paul Mitchell years ago had the um, service six marketing, six economy, service marketing. Well, at Vanguard, we get everything we get from, you know, everything we do, we get from Paul Mitchell. And so we took the six economies 
And we first said, well, we need to add one. Um, and because they didn't have anything with social commerce and that's huge now. And so we added social commerce and we call it social commerce and not social media because social media is about making friends. Social commerce is about making money. Right. And so, um, so we just take what we get from Paul Mitchell and we kind of make it fit for us at Vanguard. So and instead of calling them six economies, um, we call them profit centers because we really need to focus on profit. Right. It's one thing to generate revenue, but what, you know, it's another thing to have some leftover at the end of the day. That's right. And, yeah. and to tie into uh, what Carrie's sharing is that the one thing to keep in mind is that even though, uh, reservation desk styling station, color bar, wash house, tool bar, take home, and social commerce. They sound like locations in the salon. This, it's not about the geographic location, but it's about the behavior that drives that profit center. Because we hear it all the time that salon goes, well, I don't have a tool bar. So our next question is, how many stations do you have? Well, I have eight. I said, you should have eight tool bars, right? You should, it, it and if, if the color bar has taught us anything, it's not about the location of the color bar, about how, how big your color bar is. Because let's be honest, the only reason why a color bar came out of the dispensary was so we'd have better color conversation. If we're not having better color conversations, the color bar is not working. Because if you think the fixture is enough, you're missing the boat. So we focus on the behaviors that drive that. So it's not about the geographic location. Reservation desk is not about what the reservationist does up front, but it's about the stylist interaction with the reservation desk and what is what are they expected to do at that point in the service. So that's where it gets to be a little different. We look at it just more holistically. And then we said, what would happen if you put metrics on these things? If you put benchmarks on these things, could we really drive sales? Let me show you what, what happens. You know, the big thing with the benchmarks is because it's, you know, we were talking about these different areas and you know the, the profit centers but people were like okay that's great but what do i where should i be what do i need to do what's the goal you know what are we shooting for so that's when we came up with the benchmarks right. and so here's what you what you should be shooting for in each one of these areas so the first one uh, reservation has the benchmark is 60 percent pre-book so a customer comes in today we need them to book their next appointment and we need them to do that at a rate of 60 percent yep Next one, styling station. And we look at styling station, it's an increase on your average service ticket by 10% year over year. Increasing your average ticket by 10% year over year. If I'm a stylist, if I increase my average ticket by 10% year over year without a price increase, very key, without a price increase by upselling and things like that, <clears throat> if I increase that, I'm basically saying that I'm going to make 10% more money next year. If I hold the same amount of guests without doing anything, if I just focus on that, I'm going to make 10% more next year, the year after. It's just going to keep going. That's without adding any new clients, right? It's being able to see that. Yeah, and also another thing is um, with the benchmarks, we like to um, make it easy for stylists to understand. So 60% free book and 60% is easy. It's six out of 10. So six out of your 10, six out of 10 customers who come in need to book their next appointment, right? Um, and then with the, the styling station, a 10% increase, if your average ticket is $50 this year, next year it needs to be $55. Right. And so, you know, we try to explain it in a simple way so they understand it because most stylists don't want to talk about numbers. So like, no, I'm not a math person. Right. But they all want to talk about money. And so we try to always bring it back to that, you know, and how they can make more money. 
So the next benchmark is for color bar and the benchmark is 50% of your hair services should be in the form of a color service. So 50% means if I did $1,000 in services, 500 of that should represent color services. And we kind of look at that two ways because um, we like to look at it in the dollar amounts first because um, we want to get that in line. But if somebody charges really high prices for their color, it, they could get to that a lot quicker and easier. So once you get to 50% in that dollar amount, then we like to switch it to number of people. So if you had 10 people come in this week, five of them should get color, right? And that's where it really shifts. It's really being staying focused. The next one, wash house, probably one of my personal favorites because the wash house is like found money, right? It's like sticking your hand in a jacket that you hadn't worn in a while and you pull out a $10 bill. It's the same money dance where it's a dollar or a hundred dollars. You do it, you find it in the dryer. The wash house is found money. What are you doing? It's every guest's favorite part of the service, right? They love it. Now, but we put a benchmark on it and the benchmark is 20% of your service transaction should be in the form of a treatment. Imagine 20% of your service transaction should be in the form of a treatment, just taking advantage of it. And that's where it really makes a difference. It's looking at it. That's where the profit center profit center and the profit generator as a whole makes such a big difference when you lean into it because you're focused on all the areas of the salon that generate revenue. And let's be honest, in our current climate, we can't afford to let any of these, they're no longer optional. These are gotta do's. Yep. I can't say, oh, I'm not gonna sell retail anymore. Oh, I'm not gonna do treatments. Oh, I'm not gonna sell toolbar. I don't know how many clients are gonna come in this month. I need that client, that one client to come in to get all, to be a party of all seven of these. And every guest has to run through that. If we do that, we're just making sure our future is more secure. That's where it is, we're looking at it. One of the things I love about the um, wash house is 20% is only two out of 10, right? And so when you look at that, only two out of 10 people to get a wash house treatment, you know, and then I love when, we, when we're speaking with stylists, we always ask them, how many people need a treatment? And they're like, everybody, right? And so if everybody needs one, then how easy is it to get just two out of 10, right? And so most people aren't even doing two out of 10. Yeah. And so it's just, it's just really looking at um, at the opportunities that you have in the different areas and taking that advantage of those things. Right. Yeah. And then the next one is toolbar. So the benchmark for toolbar is 5% of your take-home transactions should be in the form of a tool purchase. So 5% of the people who purchase take-home, not of everybody who comes in, but just of the take-home purchases. So the people who purchase take-home, 5% of them should purchase a tool. So 5% is one in 20. So one of every 20 people who purchase take-home should purchase a tool. That's it. I mean, one in 20. And it just needs to be on purpose. Now, I'll share with you this. Just by having the benchmark, it changes your level of expectation. Mm-hmm. It changes your level of expectation. Without it, you don't know, well, I'll sell some. I sell some every now and then. But having a benchmark, now you have something to measure yourself up to. And that's what makes a difference. The next one, and we look at uh, take home differently. Um, and the benchmark is 35% of your guests buying. And we look at it as a percentage of people buying, not the dollar amount. Typically the industry uses retails a percentage of total sales or retails a percentage of service. Well, those are lagging indicators. 
Meaning if I told you, Sean, I need you to do um, 20% of your uh, total sales in the form of retail, how much do you have to do? Depends on how much service it, I do. <laughs> correct, right? It, in, you in, so, so you don't know, you can't say, I don't know. You can't say, because it's a trick question. Because in order to come up with what 20% of your total sales is, you need to know what you did in total in service sales, in retail sales, and you have to add those two together. Then you have to divide it by retail divided by uh, the take home divided by uh, service to come up with a total. And that's way too much math to where I need you to be at 35% of your guests buying. So if you can count to 10, just count to four and you're solid. Let's One, two, three, four. Three to four out of 10 would be, you know, three and a half. Three to four out of 10. If you can sell three to four out of 10 people who come in, we, we know 100% of them are gonna buy, right? But three and a half? That should, you know, I've never heard a stylist saying, oh, I can't do that, that's too many. Way too much. Right? Three to four out of 10. That's way and too hard. Yeah. When, when communicating with stylists, it just, they understand it so much easier right. than a percentage of their sales. Yeah, that's, that's the difference. You know, we always say you can make any amount of money you want to make in the professional beauty industry. It's 100% reliant on your behaviors and your activities. So you can make any amount of money you want to make. It's 100% reliant on your behaviors and your activities. So if I'm tracking this, I wish I would have had this information when I was in school and just out of school. It would have fundamentally changed my life. It would have changed my trajectory so much. I would have known exactly what to do, exactly what to measure myself up to. And this is what I have to do. And the last one is social commerce. And the benchmark is 10 new guests per month. Now, that's a fluid number, and I'll carry explain that in just a minute, but 10 new guests per month. Bottom line is, you could have a thousand people uh, like your Instagram post, but if the phone doesn't ring, it's irrelevant. True. If it's not helping you grow your business, if it's not putting money in the bank, how are you monetizing that? And we need to be using social to get new. But let me just pause really quick. It's, it's not just social. It's what do you, that's just one avenue. We don't just say use social and don't go pass out business cards. You still have to go pass out business cards because you need to get a minimum of 10 new clients a month, depending on where you are in your growth. And Carrie will explain yeah, so like that. Like said, that number is kind of fluid. You know, 10 is a good average and that works for a good average hairdresser who's been in the industry for a few years. Um, we know new people right out of school, just starting their career. They need a lot more than 10 new guests per month. 10's not going to be enough for them to build their, their career. So their number is going to have to be higher. And we also know on the other end, um, veteran stylists that have been in the industry for a long time, that number is going to be a lot lower for them. They don't have room on their books for 10 new guests per month. They're lucky if they get one or two new per month. So, you know, like Eric said, the number is going to be fluid depending on where you are in your career. But 10 works for a good average. Yeah, yeah which is pretty amazing. I'm going to share, I'm going to go a little deeper just on one of them, just to, just to, for craziness, right? Let's talk hair color, right? Hair color, benchmark, 50% of your hair service in the form of hair color. Now, we talked about that being the benchmark and people go, well, God, that's kind of tough. That's hard. You know, all it takes is a conversation. Imagine if we, if we told every guest that came in, regardless of the service that they're in for, we just simply asked the question, what are we doing with your hair color today? If we just simply asked everybody that came in, whether they were scheduled for hair color or not, what are we doing with your hair color today? What do you think the response would be? 
I don't know what you have in mind. Do you think I can get one or two to, to, to bite? If nothing else, it opens up that door to have a conversation about hair color, right? Now, what if I told you that that conversation, that question is a roughly a $20,000 conversation? You willing to have it now? Good conversation to have. Right? It's a 20. Let me show you how the math shakes out because it's crazy, right? One additional color service per day. One additional color service a day. It's at an average ticket of $75. That's five, five times a week. We do $375 times 52 weeks a year. It's $19,500. Math is math. And this can be, this is additional on top of what you're already doing. It's just adding one extra color service a day at an average of $75. So it's what could, could I find that? Yes, most definitely I could find that. Now, what if a client comes in, this is where the color conversation gets crazy. What if a client comes in, uh, let's say, so let's say she's got shoulder length hair, I'll just say this, but fine, kind of a bob, tends to fall flat. She goes, ah, oh, my hair's always flat, right? She could be coming in for a blow dry. I want more volume, more, more volume. You know, we have this great conditioning color gloss that we can put on, just it adds a load to shine. And, and if you want, we could add color to it to either enhance or counteract what you have going on. Well, let's just start with clear, but it's going to give your hair a little bit more body. Hold on. I just sold PM Shines. Yep. I just sold hair color without hair color. But if you caught it, I sold hair color with the future of hair color. Because I said we could add something in to either enhance or counteract, but today we can do just clear. Right? So Next if, time we'll try some color. Yeah, next time. We can add a little bit to it. And, but it's going to give you more body. It's going to make your hair feel a little bit fuller and it's going to last. It's going to sit on the outside of the hair. You don't have to worry about it. It's going to fade away, right? That's the beauty. I just sold hair color in seconds, but I sold hair color in a conversation that she was in for just a blow dry, mm. right? It's, but if we're not willing to have the conversation, then we're definitely not going to get anywhere near this $19,000. And that's where it really starts to make a difference. So we take it, we, we look at it very simply, but doesn't mean the concepts are simple. They make big results, but, but without the behavior, you're not gonna get any results, True. right? If I, if I say, oh, I can't have that conversation. Well, okay, just know that this is off the table, that the $20,000 is, you're, you're not gonna get it. You have to find it somewhere else because it's not gonna come from here. And, and that's where it really changes. And that's where the powerful point of it is that it really starts to make a difference. And that's just a, a quick look. I mean, we could take the profit center, profit generator and the profit centers and talk about them for weeks. Hey everyone, I'm Sean Chido, co-owner of Next Level Salon Ownership. Thank you for joining us today. And be sure to check us out at nextlevelsalonleadership.com.